Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Loblassingame, and I am your host. And I am here today with my fabulous producer, Christiana Kimmick. Hello. I always love your intros. Why, thank you. I'm so tired. You know, quarantine life, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, are people just like more tired? I feel like people are just more tired. Like we're just n- more tired than yes, we normally I, are. I can actually answer this. So I've been, you, okay. So, you know, I've been back in therapy. Therapy is amazing. Go if you have small issues, large issues, it doesn't matter. Therapy is awesome and is just a great way to work through whatever you need to work through. Exactly. Heal. And so my therapist and I were talking about big T, little T trauma, which people in the industry will know what that means for people who haven't uh, gotten an explanation of that big T trauma is they're like events that are large kind of trauma inducing events that you would think of. So wars, um, you know, people dying, natural disasters, you know, vets coming back from, you know, being in the military, losing children, losing children, car accidents, like super bad car accidents, things that would be recognized as trauma by a large group of people. Yes. Little T trauma are incidents basically that were traumatic to you in particular, that other people may or may not find trauma inducing to themselves. But it, it, they've, I guess I, I might be explaining this not quite as well being from a non-clinical background, but from what I understand, big T trauma absolutely is PTSD inducing and little T trauma can be as well. And sometimes because little T trauma isn't quite as recognized, like you're, you're not labeling that as, oh, that's something that could cause PTSD in me. It's overlooked. So anyways, bringing this back around, what we were talking about specifically is how little T trauma can cause overwhelm and how basically trauma in your body is your body becoming so overwhelmed that it can't function. And so then we were talking about how that correlates to COVID and how this massive amount of information, right? There's so much information coming at us, especially with these social justice movements with, you know, not only COVID and and so many unknowns, so many changes, but then the social justice movements and different people standing up and speaking and, and just all this info, there's so much information now coming at us, right? And, And it changes on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that it can just kind of cause that like, like just that complete, like, oh, like almost like a shutdown, like your brain's just like not understanding and not realizing how much you're honestly ingesting and how it just makes you more tired. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I saw someone post about how, oh my gosh, so, you know, the people who are voting in the election are also people who only get their, their news from social media or they don't engage with the news at all. And I had this thought where I I know a lot of people who have taken breaks or have stopped interacting with news and, and most social media because it is so overwhelming to them. And it's interesting because you think about it from the perspective of the complaint by, um, you know, a friend was that, you know, people aren't aware they're not, they're not engaged in what's going on and so that they can make informed decisions, haha, informed. And, but at the same time, people are feeling so ill from the absorption of, of, of negativity and all the things that are going on that they are taking full on breaks. And so you have this, you know, it's very, I, I find it very difficult to uh, pace the amount of information coming in. It's really reasonable to me that people would be saying, I'm not going to take any information in to keep my mind, you know, healthy and, 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 and vibrant and happy. And, um, and, but that causes, and, and I felt this too, like if I don't read the news, then I don't, even if, to say, you know, even if you go into mainstream media, blah, blah, blah. Like if I don't read what's going on, I don't know what's happening. But if I do read what's going on, I am impacting my mental health. So how do I function in a world where I'm not completely disconnected and uninformed, but I'm also taking care of the amount of 
information that's coming in. And I wish I had the answer. I do not. Okay, so I actually have an answer for that. I am not, again, and not in any way, shape or form, a professional within the mental health community where I could like advise people. Right. But, but I can tell you what's worked for me. And this is actually an area where I've like felt very challenged. I think I remember, I think we even were talking about it in one of the episodes where I was like, I feel like my faith has been very challenged the past, like this past season, right? What do I actually believe? Am I walking in what I believe? What kind of example is my life, right? Like it, if people saw me, would they be like, oh, she's she's walking out what she believes. So here's here's my answer for that, for like, how do you stay informed, but also keep your mental health well, right? So there's a couple different facets of that. One, there's an element of, I can't control everything. I'm not going to have everything under perfect control, which this is hilarious that I'm saying this because this is something that you've said to me so many times, being someone who struggles with perfectionism is letting go of control, right? Feeling like I have to control what's coming in my mind, control what I'm hearing, control what other people, it may be like, oh, that's good or that's not good. So so let basically this is where my faith personally has come in, where I, you know, God is my higher power, right? So going, okay, God is going to tell me if I need to, if I need to know a specific piece of information within a, like a period of time, if I've like backed off of social media, I trust that my loving God is going to, he's going to let me know through somebody, my husband, whoever, a phone call from somebody else, I will know. So, okay, I'm going to, that actually feels really good to even say, I'm going to let go of control in that aspect that if I miss something, somebody else is taking care of me. Number two, choosing your sources. So identify the sources where you feel like whether it's a person, if it's a news source, someone who you look up to, you know, who's a a public figure, whoever, who are like pick like three to start with, who are the three sources where if you unfollowed everyone on social media, it's funny, we have to even think of it like that. If you unfollowed everybody on social media, what three sources would you be content and trust hearing things from? I mean, Again, not that people don't get it wrong, but that who do you basically like trust for the most part hearing something from? So getting your sort, getting your, your news or your information from those sources. And number three, implementing times where you go on social media. So it's harder if you go on social media for your job, which we both do, but that, that seems to what get, that is actually the thing that gets me the most is when I need to go on and just make a quick post or make an adjustment or make a comment or respond to somebody or share, and then I'll get sucked in by something else. But for the most part, so I have to readjust with that constantly, but for the most part, I have times where it's like, I'm, I notice I just scroll aimlessly. I just sit there and my husband will be like, what are you, are you, are you, he goes, are you looking something up or are you scrolling? And I get defensive because I'm like, back off. Like I can do what I want. Right. But then I've started seeing that he's right. Oh, he's right. (laughs) And, and, And I do scroll aimlessly without even knowing about it. And that's, that's adding to the stress because it's just, again, scrolling aimlessly. Yeah. You're seeing beautiful pictures of your friends or the fun things that they're doing, but you're also getting the negativity that's coming through and whatever new latest thing, like what did I see you post about locusts? No crickets grasshoppers. Oh, oh, well, I, Peter, Peter posted, Peter is my dad. Uh, he posted on Facebook about like all the things that happened in 2020, like all the crazy stuff. And he was, and, and he, you know, made this exhaustive list. And he said, like, what am I missing? Like what else? And he names like possibilities of like crazy things that could happen. Right. And he's like, what else am I missing? And and so I saw, I literally was scrolling and saw zombie uh, cicadas. There it and, is. Yeah. And, and they, they have a fungus that takes over and whatever. Anyway, so I commented with that, the, the zombie cicadas, because, you know, it was like, I mean, you have murder hornets, zombie cicadas. I, I just felt like it was like he had listed all these things and I didn't want him to miss an opportunity, you know? You know, like I had to like, I had to share that. Yeah. So I felt like that was definitely valuable time. <laughs> so I was scrolling to post. I, maybe it was it just last night. I was scrolling to do no recollection. Time I, has I, lost all, I've lost all same. sense of time. It's all the same. Uh-huh. But I looked at, cause my husband was in the same room. Whenever I looked and I was like, 
zombies the case i was like no this is not real i clicked on the article i think i even forgot to comment on there but i looked at roger and i go only ashley would find this article <laughs> like this leave it to ashley to find zombie cicadas i think what? my I, I think in in part that that my algorithm has really is really like understands me deeply whatever algorithm has has uh learned my scrolling habits is really feeding me the goods <laughs> So going back, we want to just recap this. Number one, learn to let go and trust in, if you have a higher power, trust in your higher power. Number two, what was number two? (laughs) Pick three sources. Pick three sources. Pick three trusted sources that you feel confident getting information from. And I'm just going to put it out there. Try making them positive sources, right? And then number three, set your screen time. Honestly, I feel like a kid. I have to set my screen time, but it's because I do kind of like a dog, kind of like zero in. Like I get really like fixated, like ah, I have to read, have to see this and start getting more information. And then I, that kind of snowballs. So that's just some tips, but it's actually helped me a lot. It's interesting. One of the things that's been very difficult for me during this time, or actually not during this time, but just in general, but also during this time, which is as a mom, there are small moments like I'm feeding the kids and they're eating. I'm not eating with them. And there's like downtime where I'm not interacting with them. Maybe maybe this is the part where that's that's the answer. But there are these small times in my day between, you know, 15 minutes if I have an appointment or, you know, there's small pockets of time where it's like not enough time because I carry around a book, like an actual book with me. And it's not enough time to read, to like read, like to get into reading, but it's, enough time that I, I, I'm just not good at just sitting. And so I maybe those are times where like I plan that social media, um, scroll, but those are the times like those pockets of time where I'm waiting on something or there's, there's kind of that lull and that's what really gets me. Yeah. Those are, those are tough. I'd say, well, and it depends. It depends on each person and like what gets you peace, right? Or what gets you like through something. For me, I know for some people, like meditation, like those meditation apps really work. Yeah, but you can't, I mean, meditating while I'm in the, in the kitchen with my kids is just, it's a, that's a non-starter. You can't do that? No. No, I can barely meditate with them in the house because all of a sudden someone has a shriek because, you know, they, they hurt their toe and, and, (laughs) you know, oh my God. You mean you can't meditate through that, Ashley? You have not. Well, I was telling. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've not, I've, I've not met Nirvana. Um, but I, so I've been doing a lot of meditation and I use the insight timer app and I've been doing a lot of meditation. I've been trying to do it every single day. And I was telling, I do have, uh, significant PTSD. And one of the ways that that shows up for me is that I'm easily startled, very, very easily startled. And normally that's like in situations where a movie or a roller coaster or stuff like that, it's, you know, it's fun because I kind of anticipate it. But when I am not anticipating it and I'm startled, I get very sick. Like I get, uh, my, like I, my heart like goes so fast. It hurts. My, I, my stomach hurts. Like it's a very jarring experience for me physically. Like mentally, I understand that it's not a big deal, but physically, <laughs> physically it's very uncomfortable. So when I'm meditating and like I'm pra- doing these guided meditations and the kids are in the house, cause I'll try to do it in the morning before work and they love like their thing is to is to come to my door and bang is hot like take a fist to it and just like oh, oh, you know I'm like it's like I might as well be the SWAT you know coming in with a warrant and uh, they so they do that so I have when I'm meditating I'm kind of in that like trying to get to that you know not thinking space and they do that and I get that I get startled and so I was telling like and I get like sick so I've been getting like this has been happening where I've been doing it and I've been literally getting ill and I was telling Dak I was telling my husband like I can't if that happens I'm in worse shape than I was before I meditated like I let alone, and this is door closed in my room. They're with childcare, like all the things. But if they escape and they start pounding on the door, like I literally, like makes me want to vomit. I get nauseous from like the startle. So, medit- I, meditation, I need to like 
be in a locked room by myself where no one's going to disturb me. Otherwise, it just really backfires. This is the one time where you're going to ask for a padded room. You're like, please give me a padded, quiet room where seriously people can bang on seriously. the walls and like I am hear anything. running away. I'm like, this is not like I don't think this <laughs> this is what they mean by like meditation, helpful meditation. Absolutely not. No. I mean, what about music? Does music help you? Music does help me, but it has to be. It's usually really loud and it's heavy metal and it's in my you know. So it's not like I'm. I'm not like listening to jazz in my room. Like I'm listening to Metallica as loudly as I possibly can. Or, I mean, I have a lot of different, and, and meditation does calm me down. I just need to not have, like, I just need to not have the shit scared out of me while I'm doing it. Cause I, cause it's for me, I'm always on like, it's that's that high alert and meditation puts you into a state of not high alert. So for me, it's like, it's literally like, like being woken up in the middle of the night to someone screaming. Like it, it just, oh, which is terrifying. Right. Which is, yeah, normal part of parenting life. But it, it like, oh my God. But I mean, it's one of those things. It's actually, you know, it's a good topic in the sense that like, it's one of those things that I'm not like, oh, I have PTSD. So, you know, it's like, it is what, I mean, it's just so, it is what it is. Like, like it is not, if I'm wearing headphones or if I'm wearing ear pods or whatever, um, AirPods, I, uh, like I text my husband or anybody who's in the house to let them know so that they don't sneak up on me because people do it by accident. They don't know like if I'm not paying attention or if there's like, I can't, it I like, I can't have, you know, or like, it's not funny to jump out and scare me. Like things like that. Like it's, it's, it's actually something I've lived with for a long time and didn't really realize. I'm very glad I haven't done that too, because that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> oh, totally. I totally, and it's funny. <laughs> It's to- like, it is totally funny and like, I can handle it every once in a while. Like, but it is, you know, if it's daylight and it's funny and someone jumps out or like, it's a, a practical joke, but like, if it's in my home at night and we're just, ha- you know, like I can't, I don't, it takes me like 15 to 20 minutes to recover from it. It's just super uncomfortable. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things you just, I, I don't know. It, I, I've lived with it for so long. I haven't really noticed it that much in terms oh of like where no don't do that don't feel sorry for me no i i don't feel sorry for you it just it makes my heart hurt hearing somebody hurt so i'm sorry i can't turn that off i've tried <laughs> turn off your compassion and no no i've been it, diagnosed as hsp <laughs> hsp what's hsp it's an actual thing i hate even saying it but I mean, it's, but here's the thing. It's a real thing. I'm just like, oh God, of course I am a highly sensitive person. It's an empath, but like it, but it's like a diagnosis now. I'm like, I, I didn't know you could get diagnosed. Every, everything is a diagnosis. I feel my, my therapist goes, so have you ever thought of yourself on the OCD scale? And I almost fell off the couch laughing. I was like, yeah. Do you want to hear my morning routine? And she's like, I was like, yeah, I diagnosed myself like 10 years ago. It's like, oh, you're a freak. You, you can't, you can't do things without having a ritual behind it. Meaning like I have to like walk out the door and do all the same things before yeah. I leave. And if I don't, like if my sister, my sister always is like, just leave, it's fine. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I feel like I wish I had a little more of that, but you know, no, no, you don't want it. No, no, I don't want the whole thing. I just want like a little, like a little sprinkle. If would you like me to hang around? <laughs> yeah, no, it you what know, that what, it doesn't. Ru- some of it. Nope, doesn't rub off on me. It doesn't. Oh, that's right, because you're not. You don't absorb people. I do. I just have learned to turn that. I just have learned to like, and you will get there. I've learned to like shut that absorption off. I've gotten better. I've gotten a lot. I mean, God, you remember me two years ago. I've gotten so much better. I'm like. I'm starting to have healthier boundaries and ooh, so much work, but yeah, no, in HSP, I get it's, I'm still learning completely about it, but my, my therapist straight up was like, she's like, you're this brain type. And this brain type is very like feel is you're an artist, a musician. Like th- she's like, those are all my artists, my musicians, my dancers, my creators. And she's like, and on top of that, you're an HSP. So you go even deeper, like you feel things on like an incredibly deep level that like takes you a while to come out. It's like, it's just, it's like when I love, I love incredibly deep. Whenever I'm sad, I'm very, very, you know, it's just, it's, so I try, I don't know. As I say mm-hmm. to my toddlers, big emotions. You're having big, big emotions. Oh, yes. I, you know, I can definitely empathize with Jackson right there with the 
big emotions. Oh, yeah. He's got some big emotions. (laughs) Parents. Well, here's the thing. We have amazing listeners who've walked through, you know, incredible things in their life. And so if anybody has tips or tricks for this, please email us and let us know because... Every person is different. Every person copes differently. Tell us what's been making you and helping you cope during this time. And we can share it on air. Yeah, like what you've been doing in terms of social media, media in general, and how you've been finding or if you've been finding balance, a way to balance, you know, mental health and and being informed. Yes. We had some super exciting episodes the past couple episodes. Um, Steve Grant, episode 59, and Kyle Dean Houston, episode 60. I'm loving that we have so many men coming on the podcast. I feel like we've we've, we've just switched it right over. It's so funny. I'm like, okay. I'm still not super good at, at balance. No, I know that's, isn't that how it comes out? Because I was trying to, whenever we started getting, so for everybody that knows, cause we have a lot of people filling out podcast guest applications and people referring people. And it's, it's incredible. We've gone from like, will you please come on our podcast? We promise it will be great to, oh my gosh, we have so many applications. We're like overwhelmed by it, which is incredible. I've already started emailing people and being like, love your story. Let's get it in season three, <laughs> which is like awesome. I'm like, wow. Like we have so much like demand, I guess, on this side. Well, whenever we started in season one, we had mostly women. We'd have a a man sprinkled in here and there. And now I I was trying to kind of sprinkle it in. So it was like, we'd have like a different person or a different gender come out every single week. And I just couldn't because we had this massive amount of men who wanted to come on the podcast, which we love because we want to be able to represent all stories. And, and so we've had this streak recently of, all these men coming on the podcast and sharing their stories. So that's been so exciting for us to see. And they men are taking over the podcast for this foreseeable future. So, and, and it's been so refreshing to hear because we really wanted that. And, and it took, took a little while, but you're right. It's like, just this, it, it's just, it's been so awesome. Yeah. It's been, um, it, and super, I mean, amazing stories, just amazing stories with, uh, Steve and Kyle. So Steve's story, he lost both of his sons to heroin overdoses. I believe it was five or five years apart and his only, only children. And I got to tell you, that was hard. (laughs) That was hard to get through, you know, as a mom of two boys and who have two parents who are recovering alcoholic drug addicts. And yeah, it was just really hard to hear that. And also it was useful to hear that a lot he he talked about things that he did to try to get them to stop and how i i what i really heard was a lot of the knowledge that i've accumulated over the years can and would be helpful in those situations in terms of understanding what we're dealing with because i felt like a lot of what happened in Steve's story was that he didn't understand what he was dealing with and how do you come up with a good solution if you don't, I mean, that's, that's, it's not a a moral failing. It's like, you know, an, an effective plan assumes that you understand what the, what the problem is. Right. So yeah, that was just really intense. And, and, um, and then Kyle's story from start to finish was just amazing. And I read some of his book, which hadn't come out when we did the episode and he sent me, and you, uh, some of his book is just absolutely incredible. Like actually I, the first chapter, I, he brought me to tears towards the end of the first chapter because he talks, his mother, he describes this scene where his mother comes and pulls him out of this house. And I literally felt like I was walking in her shoes to like pull. (laughs) I was just a mess. It was just a mess because I get it. Like I've seen it from like I, I, as a parent and as the person who's who's done that and how that dynamic is like it's not that you don't care about them it's not that you don't love them you just that's that is what you're capable at that time but as a parent looking into that and also knowing the destruction and what happens i just can't even like knowing it's almost in some ways i'm always like i feel cursed that i know the inside of what that looks like because i know how bad it is as opposed to like if i could you know make it rosier, you know, or make it 
you know, prettier and, and think of it that way might be helpful, but I, I can't. So, so yeah, really, really intense, really amazing. He, I loved, you know, it was super fun for me to ask him about cooking meth and all that, you know, cause I, I for me, I just lo- like want to know all the detail, all the, you know, like, tell me about it, tell me about all of it. And when I was re-listening to it, one of the things that I heard, which I heard in both stories was about, so Kyle is, uh, he's in, um, 24 hour lockdown and, you know, in a violent prison. He is looking, he is, to his knowledge, he is going to do life in prison, right? That is his mentality. Like that's what he knows. It doesn't turn out that way, but that's what he believes at the time, right? He's in a cell 24, 23 hours a day. He's looking at life. He's got, he thinks he he believes he's going to do life. And you compare that to Steve. He's lost both of his children and he's going to do life without them. Right. And in both cases, it's like pure deprivation, right? Deprivation of any kind of warmth or love or like that. That's the idea. So they both hit this place that I honestly think any of us can imagine giving up at that point. Like I I can't, I can eat both, both circumstances, right? I can, I think nobody would fault somebody for giving up in either of those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that would be fair. And really the question, what I came to was how do you find meaning when it's reasonable, when, when, when all people would think it's reasonable for you to let go of all meaning, right? How do you find meaning in those moments? And what was interesting was I was listening back to Kyle and he talks about as he's cooking meth, he talks about how he has this like spiritual, pseudo spiritual experience while he's cooking it, this creation, right? Because he's creating, you know, it, it, regardless of what, you know, the people always are like, oh my God, that's crazy thinking about what it is that you're doing. But when you pull the camera back, it's like, insert whatever thing you want to create. They're like That happens to be the thing that's locked you in, but the skills involved and the, and the, the actions that you're taking, whether that's, you know, people who have elaborate drug rings, you know, that's, they're bringing passion to that. Now it, it would be better if it wasn't drugs, but like the people are bringing skills, skills and something they like about that. They're getting something out of that. Right. And he talks about the spiritual aspect of, and I was, as I was re-listening, the spiritual aspect of cooking in this creation and this skill and this kind of, he's, he's by himself and all this stuff. And what I heard and, you know, with Steve and, and with Kyle was this, was this seeking spiritual meaning. And when I first got sober, that whole thing, the whole spiritual aspect of any of this stuff, not only freaked me out, but disgusted me. I was like, I want nothing to do with that. Please don't ever talk to me about that ever again. You know, you're bringing religion into this and I can't do that. Like, I'm, you know, everything that goes along with that. I was just anti, 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 anti. And so what worked for me was I ignored all of that. So I was like, I'm going to die. So I need to, or not die. And that was even worse. And so I need to, I'm going to do sobriety and I'm going to do all those things. And when they talk about spirituality, I'm just going to do my best and like kind of ignore it. Right. And I'm just keep going. And I did that for a long time. And as I've gotten older and sober longer, I have come to understand why it's important, why it has meaning. And I've come to create my own meaning around it. And I've also come to understand that it is the abs it is the crux of what we're all doing we're all searching for what our personal meaning is and when you are in the throes of addiction whether it's your addiction or someone else's addiction it brings you to this place of having to look squarely into the eyes of what your purpose and meaning is and i think the usage is the search for meaning right it's the search to fill that fill that void and the meaning with you know losing a loved one is will life be worth living without this person can i go on without this person and and both of those things come back to this idea of what is our purpose on the planet a very very basic underlying thing that i think most people whether they know it or not struggle to figure out. And in those moments, as a, as as someone who's in, been in addiction, in those moments when you have everything removed, 
everything you care about removed from you because I have had that experience where in a room that was painted black, I was in, <laughs> I was in solitary, conf- you know, confinement and in scrubs. I wasn't allowed to wear shoes. I wasn't allowed to wear my clothes, like my own clothing. I wasn't allowed to anything. I was underage. I was in, an, you know, Utah, no way to reach my family. Like they, you know, nothing I said mattered basically. When you have everything removed from you is when you touch into that part of yourself because there's nothing left. And I think that's a that's why these stories matter because they are people who have had it all removed and still been able to circle back and find something that allows them to continue on and try to bring that spark or that light to other people. I completely agree with you. It's that's definitely in the crux of each person's struggle that we've even heard on the podcast. That seems to be the answer that when they can, when they can answer or, or start to find the answer to that question, why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I doing for other people? You know, that it's, all of a sudden there's a shift and there's a change. And for Steve, you know, he had his marriage take his, his marriage fell apart because of, you know, the, the addiction struggle that he walked through with both of his boys. He lost his first boy at Chris at 19 and he lost Kelly five years later at 24. And, you know, that's just, it's like, first of all, I can't even imagine losing one child for much less both children, losing your marriage. Like there goes your whole family. There goes everything that you've built your entire life. And so now he's started, so he's remarried. Uh, they don't have kids together, but they they have a beautiful relationship and he's very happy with his, with his wife. And, and he started the Chris and Kelly's hope foundation, which from my understanding, he uh, it, it's a nonprofit and it provides funding for like positive activity, yeah, treatment and also positive activities for, um, for teenagers and young men. So for instance, like Eagle Scouts and Boy Scouts and things like that, where it's like, they're putting, like, he knows like the education that goes into that, how it's like a good kind of like after school and, you know, all these different things that kind of comes into it. So he's funded not only treatment and rehabilitation, but he's also funded things like that, where he, if he knows somebody's kind of struggling or, you know, he, he gives, gives them something else to kind of put their hands to if they don't have something. So that's been amazing. And then for Kyle, you know, he was like this big shot in Silicon Valley and, you know, worked and, and had like the life that you would think that you wanted. And then all of a sudden he's like, it's just, it's just not the same to him. It's just not, that's not where his meaning is. And he's written this book and he, I remember in the podcast prep call that, that I do with all of our guests beforehand, he'd said something to me like how, you know, he sometimes he's not sure where his next paycheck is going to come from, but in writing the book and in connecting with people one-on-one, he's found so much more meaning in life. And he's like, that's my favorite thing to do is to connect with people one-on-one, talk with them, hear their stories. He was even like asking me questions like, well, are you in recovery? And like, what have you walked through? And just randomly just starts asking. And I was like, well, let me answer. And he, he just loves that. He loves chatting with people, finding out their hearts and really, you know, he was very sweet and very gracious. I mean, both of them were, but Kyle was like, I just heard him say thank you over and over again. Thank you so much. This is incredible work. He really connects on such a deep level and, and just, I loved seeing his gratitude and his heart. You can, you can just see how much he's, he's walked through and how much work he's done. Yeah. It's when people have you know, sometimes things happen, those circumstances happen and it doesn't change people. Like it, it isn't a, a guarantee that you're going to, you know, be locked in a cage and suddenly be a different person. Like that's not, or lose your family or whatever, insert whatever. But when it does change people, it does change, you know, it is, it is a profound shift. And I think you can see that a lot of the time you can see that in people, just that profound, that profound shift. And, you know, when you realize that your time here is not your own or that you truly are not in control of, you know, I remember thinking like not being, literally not being in control of my physical body, like not being for extended periods of time. And, you know, things like, you, like if I didn't finish my food, I didn't get a phone call. I didn't like, there were, there were, extended periods of time where my physical body was not in my control. And, and, but what that does is in some way it puts you into your head, right? You, you really learn to live in your head. And if 
you can, if you can get something out of that, right? Like if you can extract meaning from that, that period of time, it's incredibly valuable. One of the things that I love about, um, and I, I went out and visited a couple wilderness programs. One, um, a friend of mine, uh, Brad Reed, he, uh, has an amazing program in Southern Utah and a wilderness program for young adults. And, I went out there and, you know, they took me out there and I was visiting uh, with the group. And, you know, one of the things that I saw and and one of the things that you get out of those programs is you're, you remove all the distractions and it's amazing how many distractions we actually have. Like we don't even realize how many distractions, how many things we use to change how we feel. And when you're out in the wilderness like that, when you do those wilderness programs, I mean, you're, you are, you have to face it. You have to face it, but you get to face it there with, you know, with, with professionals, with counselors, you know, in, in that environment. And most people don't get the opportunity to face who they are with nothing else there. I mean, that is a very, you, I will probably hopefully <laughs> never have that opportunity again. And it's a very, it's a very interesting dynamic of like who, when people have had that and it changes how they see the world because you have to, and this is what happened with Steve and Kyle, you have to find different meaning than the one that you've used your whole life. Like you have, you have to, or that's it, or you'll kill yourself or whatever it is. So I really heard that. And I heard that that seeking of spirituality is so important. And spirituality in my life has shifted. So like has changed over the years. Now it's just peace of mind like peace con- connection with the universe and 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 you know the way that things work like for me it's i'm con- i i connect with the universe i connect with this sound, this is going to sound so lame but like during the uh the pandemic we started gar- i started gardening a lot more i think everybody did everybody was at home depot like we better grow a garden um and and i i took these seeds and i i, I bought these you know, a bunch of seeds. And I took these seeds and I I started them in my kitchen and I dropped them into this soil and I watched them grow for however long before we planted them outside. And there was something spiritual about it in the sense that like you put this tiny seed, tiny, tiny seed into the ground or into soil. It knows exactly what to do. If you just give it sunlight and water, it knows exactly what to do and it turns into this big plant like like out of nowhere it just grows it and the science behind that to me is spiritual like the 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 fact that the cells replicate and know what to do that is spiritual to me it's not traditional like religion to me but when i go outside and i look i mean now it's you know our our melons have gone insane but like i we we planted them from something tiny and it's grown into this huge thing and it's going to grow into this huge piece of fruit. Like it knows what to do. And that stuff is spiritual to me. That lets me know that there's some sort of divine order. And maybe that divine order is science. Science to me has that spiritual component. And I had to find what worked for Ashley. And what worked for Ashley wasn't normal, like biblical, like that didn't work for me. It didn't speak to me. And if you are struggling with that piece, like if you are someone who struggled the way that I have, I just keep seeking. Like it's all in the seeking. It's all in the finding of that, like of something that feels divine. Like it feels divine. And when you find it, when it clicks or when it's like that beauty or standing in the redwood forest or standing in a lake or a stream or whatever it is, or at the beach, you know, when you find it, like, you know what it is. It's just that, it's like that feeling of, of, connection to other things. And it doesn't, you don't have to understand it. I thought you had to name it and understand it and give it a name called God or Jesus or Muhammad or I I had, you know, and it had to have ritual around it and it had to have, you know, a special day to celebrate. Like I, I did not understand. It took me a long time, but when you find it, the value of that cannot be overstated. And I, I, so I love that you said the seeking because that's definitely like, 
you know, why I haven't gone through addiction. I've definitely walked through a lot of dysfunction in my family. And I found there was a time where I was just running. I was on the run. You know, I, I lived out of my car. I was ready to go at any point. I could pack up and run. And I was really good at running. And I remember I was like just on the run at one point. You know, I was just like living on couches or wherever I could possibly live, you know, just, just, I didn't even know what I was running from necessarily. I mean, I kind of knew I was running from a crazy family, but you know, but, but where would I, where was I going to go? Like, where was I going to end up? You know, like you, you can't just run your whole life. I mean, it's, you can, but it's not a life, you know, there, there's, you can't build anything. And, and kind of within that time, I was, there were, there were some things that stopped me. There were things that stopped me and, and one of the things that stopped me, I was, you know, it was like, I kind of had to answer the question like, what am I running from? Like, like, yeah. Okay. So there's my answer. It's my family. You're crazy. You're this, you're trying to, you know, do this to me. And, and this is dysfunctional and you know, whatever else, but like, so I left them. What am I running from still? Right. Right. And, and, and it was like, whenever I had, like, I realized like, oh, they, you know, they're not, they're not to blame for all the problems in my life. Like there might be some things in me that, you know, that are to blame or that I need to work on. Like, you know, whoa, I think what stopped me was, um, so I was living at, um, I was actually, I'd like go pet sit for people. Like I'd stay at their house and pet sit. I pet sat for a duck, a dog, a duck, a dog, a cat. And there was something else like a turtle or something. Anyways, I stayed there and, and my, it was one of my friend's moms from, from college. And, and she looked at me and she was like, she said two things. She's like, first of all, you need to eat. But she's like, cause I, I just was eating like whatever I could, whenever I, you know, it was just, it was a survival mentality. I was on the run and, and she's like, well, anything in our cabinet is yours. So just promise me I'll eat. But she goes, I think, cause I, I like, wasn't keeping weight on. Like I was like, I was trying to eat as much as I could, but I wasn't keeping weight on. And she like grabbed my hand and like, there was something about her hand that was just like, it just stopped me in my tracks. She grabbed my hand like a mom and she goes, honey, I think you're going to learn that when you stop running and trying to distract yourself from everything, that like your life's going to start falling into place. And she's like, why don't you start here? And they were gone for a week and a half and I remember the first three nights, she like put me in her bed and everything. She's like, stay in our master because there's a TV and you can watch it. And I remember I just would keep the TV on all night long because I couldn't be alone with my thoughts. And I remember in the progression of being just in one spot where I didn't have anybody like chasing me out of the house or telling me I'm not doing everything right or, you know, all these other things that were just like, you know, it, it was, it was insanity. It was absolute insanity where I lived. There was zero peace, just zero peace. When I actually stopped and started just kind of, I find myself just kind of sinking into the bed and then I didn't need the TV on for the full night. It was just half the night. And then once I actually kind of found like, like I stopped and started looking around and realizing like I didn't need to identify everything that I needed to run from. And then I realized there was somebody watching out for me because I was still alive and I was still seeking. And this woman had just... I don't know. There, there was something about what she said. And she sat with me after they got back to, and we had a whole long talk and she was like, really wanted to kind of guide me in the right direction. It was after, it was literally only after somebody kind of helped me stop, stop that just insane, like chugging locomotion forward. And I just, I stopped and realized like, there is more to life. There's, there's more to life. I might not have found it yet, but I got like a little glimmer of hope. And after I got that little, little glimmer of hope, that was enough for me to be like, all right, let me, I need a job, uh, like a, like a, like a steady one where I'm not running. Right. Like I was finding work here and there. I need a job. I need to find an apartment. I should probably get some roommates. And that's, that terrified me. Cause I was like, I'm going to have to stay. I'm going to have to like commit for a year. And you know, it, what if something goes wrong or like, blah, you know, it's like, okay, no. So then as that stuff started happening, it really opened my heart up to there's somebody watching out for me. And I, it seems like that's kind of like going back to what I said in the very beginning, it goes back to that, like those moments where your faith is challenged. If you had it, or if you didn't have it before and you're still seeking, right. You're still looking for that. I was told one time that to go along with what you were saying, you don't have to like have every answer. I was told just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not true. And doesn't mean that it's not good. And I was like, I don't want to understand everything right now because I don't want to commit. Because if I commit, then if I stay, then it's gonna it's gonna hurt me, and I'm gonna. Oh, and it's like there's that like ah, control you know factor where it's like okay, I can trust that 
there's somebody who loves me, who's watching out for me, you know, and again, I, I know for me, that is, that's God. I I've gone through such an insane journey to find this out. Like I know this, there's nothing that can take me away from that now, you know, but I had to walk through that journey. I had to know, you know, I was raised in a Christian household, which is hilarious. Um, but I, but I was, and, and, and it had to be mine. It not because somebody told me it had to be mine. And, and I, I, I thought that I had to have that experience. I thought I had to, I thought that, that in order for me to get sober or in order for me to get well, I had to believe that someone was out there watching out for me or that I had to believe in quote unquote God, or I had to like the, what you described, I thought I had to believe that and it didn't work for me. Like I can't do the, like somebody, but I can do like energy and atoms and like loving, you know, force. And like, I can do that, but I can't do a person. And because people will always be fallible for me. Right. So for me to think there's a loving person, even for me to anthropomorphize anything, give them a face, give them human qualities, ends it for me. That ends it. I'm done. I'm out. Like you give them a human quality, I'm out. You give it a male quality, I'm out. (laughs) Like it just doesn't work for me. And so what I love about, but what I love about hearing and talking about it is your, I think every time I heard people talk about what you talk about, I felt like there was something wrong with me that I didn't have that. Oh, no. No, no, no. But I mean, like there was like, if only I could have that, or why can't I believe that? Why can't I do that? Why can't like, that must be the answer because there's something wrong with me. And, and I, what I just think is so important that I want people to know is like, it's okay for, it's actually the same that you and I have, we believe the same thing. We have the same energy. We have the same spiritual connection, but it doesn't have to look the same and that's okay. We don't have to call it the same things. We don't have to. And I just did not understand that for a long, long time. I can imagine that must have been really like, like divisive almost like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, like why? Uh, yeah. It, it, and it, it was also like, it's also very uncomfortable just hearing about any kind of religion or people's belief systems. I, I told my, I, my uncle is born again and uh, evangel- evangelical and I could not spend any time with him because he it would just like constantly talk to me about it and it was so uncomfortable. And he once said to me, it was actually like a really cool moment. He once said to me, um, he lives in Florida and he once said to me, I really want to have a relationship with you. Like I really, I think it was text message. I really want to have a really, like a more of a relationship with you. And I said, I would like that, but I cannot with, I cannot handle you talking to me about God. And I said to him, I said, the way that it would feel if you talk to me about your sex life with your wife in detail is how it feels to me when you talk to me about God. It's that private and personal to me. I would rather talk to you about my sex life in detail than I would my spiritual belief system. Like that, like it feels so uncomfortable. Like, like someone's like on, on you when, when, when that was happening. And it was really interesting. He was like, okay, like he totally, he totally absorbed this and we've, we've been able to have a relationship ever since it's been, it's been awesome, but it was, I had to like describe it in this way. Like, and when I said that to him, I realized that for myself, like it is so deeply personal to me that it's uncomfortable to talk about in a way that I never understood how, why people would get that way around sex or other topics. I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, I understand how, what this discomfort, cause I would be like, why is everyone so weird about this? And now I'm like, oh, I get it. I know what that feels like. It does not feel good. It feels so uncomfortable, but to me, it was just a different topic. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that, I love that. I love that you guys were able to have that conversation and come to that. Yeah that conclusion together and be like, oh, okay, I love that like mutual respect. I think that the world could learn from that. It was really cool. You know, I, I really didn't think he, he, they were, you know, they were evangelical and, and, and I think they still are. I don't know actually. And it was intense. And I was like, I can't do this. And, and it was, I was shocked that just through explanation and honest conversation and asking, like, I did not expect that. I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to put it out there as I was amazed. Like he was like, Oh, okay. Like (laughs) it, he just, 
what I realized was like other people don't feel that way around religion and around God. Like it's not a weird thing. It's not an uncomfortable thing. So why would they expect it to be for me? You know, like they don't like there's, that's like me asking someone about what sports they play or, or, or like they're, they're passionate about or like what their sports teams are, like something they love or what, you know, music, what, what preference in music, like why I wouldn't think it wouldn't even occur to me that that's uncomfortable. Right. And so I realized that that was my own, that, that, and, and for me, you know, going to, I went to Catholic school for eight years and uh, I was baptized Episcopalians. And so during Catholic school, I was rejected by them, like fully, fully, like we were put in different classrooms. We were like the, the, you know, the four of us or however many it was who were, but my dad is culturally Jewish, but he wasn't Jewish, like didn't practice. So it was like, everything was super crazy. And then I basically grew up going to to Catholic school for eight years, very, you know, sacred heart Catholic school, very, and, and being shown that I was not accepted there. Like, like it was not a pleasant experience for me at all. And so my experience with religion, like I had religious trauma, that's what we say. And I had religious trauma. And so God was traumatic for me. And I think a lot of people have that experience. So talking about it was super gnarly. And I didn't know that other people didn't under, I like didn't understand why people would just like talk to you about it. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Like, why would you just, why would you ever just talk to me about that? Like, it is literally like, I feel like you just asked me about my last pap smear. Like what is, I'm so uncomfortable, you know? And, and I, I just didn't understand, but that was, that's my own stuff. Like when something makes you that uncomfortable, what is it about you? And, and looking at, looking at that stuff and, and, you know, has been, has been cool. But yeah, that was a really rad experience with my uncle. Just like, Hey, I can't handle this. I want to have a relationship, but you got to stop. Like you just got to period end of story, just knock it off. And he, he did. Yeah. I love that respect. I think that's really important. Well, in the open conversation, like I just, I dig like, you know, just asking questions and being open. My, my father-in-law is a Jehovah's witness practicing like, and, and, um, like door to door, like the whole, the whole, the whole thing, A to Z. My husband did not grow up uh, with birthday parties, celebrating birthdays, celebrating holidays, any of that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was. It ha, it's had an interesting effect on him, but so whenever I'm with him, like I ask him questions, and I'm like, "What?" So, like, give it to me straight. Like, how does it work? I how does it work that you can go and see this? You know, one thing. You know, where we talk about the history of it, and it's ten thousand years old. But on the other hand, your belief system is that the Earth is six thousand years old. Like, walk me through it. And of course, my husband's looking at me like Ashley. <laughs> Ashley, I'm like, I'm just asking, you know, and, and, and it's great. Like he just talks to me about it and, and I'm just curious and how does it work and what do you do and why do you believe this? And what about this? Like that doesn't line up. And what is interesting to me is a lot of the stuff, and I've, I've had this experience with multiple religions is I can point out the stuff that doesn't line up, but they don't really care because the rest of it works so well for them that they just don't care. I'm like, Oh, okay. I get that. Like they don't, I thought that it would, they like, I thought it was like, I'm going to defend this logic. And I'm like, yeah, but that logic does not pan out. Like that is not logical. And most of the time people are like, yeah, I love my religion and I love what I'm doing and it works for me. And yeah, that doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense. You're right. Don't care. I'm like, oh. Sounds good. Yeah, that's, that's I, I an mean, answer. That's an answer. You're honest. I, I totally. <laughs> there's things about my life where not sure that makes sense, but whatever. So. Yeah. So that was, those episodes were amazing and I'm cashed out on the spirituality. <laughs> I, I like, I've, I've said my You're piece. Like, and I'm done. And I'm done. <laughs> and the end. Yeah. I, you know, it just, it's the, these episodes were amazing. And, and again, just hearing, hearing how these men got through these insane pieces of their life. Gosh, I mean, just grief and loss there's just no handbook on how to walk through that. And so it's just incredible to see that Steve has had the the wherewithal to just even reestablish himself. I've watched people who've lost kids who haven't had the ability to do that. My stepmom 
lost her her husband and her so they were a family of four she had two girls before she married my dad obviously and um she lost at first it was her younger daughter who was 16 at the time and then i think her oldest daughter's three or four years younger or older than her she lost her in a car accident and i think she lost her husband it was like within two to three years car accident like within a mile of each other and and the fact that that my stepmom rebuilt her life and, and my stepsister too, you know, they both have had just that strength to be able to rebuild their lives and, and seeing their, even their connection to each other, you know, and, and, um, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest with you. Like if I was in Steve's position, I'm, I'm pretty sure that would not be the outcome. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't want to live through that. I, 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 can't even imagine yeah, that either. Like I don't, I don't know. Pe- I don't know that I would be able to move on. Yeah. And, and now he's helping other people. You know, I just think that's so beautiful. That's he just, he just, wow. I get, there's really no words to be able to put that to it. And and he's still out there. He's just like, you have to, workhorse you have to, there's how else there's no other way. I mean, I can't imagine another way that you would without making it mean something like there. I just, if, if there is a way out, it's making it mean something. Absolutely. And then Kyle, what he's been able to do with his life, with writing his book, you know, even just with that, I love the, the meaningful connections with people, you know, that's just, that's so special. And, is and um, out it's no, okay. So, so patchwork, um, it's patchwork junkie. That's what the book is called. And it's so good. You guys, I got an advanced copy and I was, I mean, seriously, it is so freaking good. Like, I'm not just saying that it is really, really good. You want a good, you know, recovery story. Whew. So it is coming out tomorrow, which is Friday, August 7th. Awesome. Okay. And we will, I'm not exactly sure where to direct people to. I know we have it okay, actually so in the episode. Paperback, it's on, it is on, okay. So I see it on, um, I see it on Amazon. Perfect. Amazon, Friday, August 7th on Amazon. We will include the link in the show notes. The link is also in the show notes for his episode that came out on Tuesday. Um, and we're really excited. Please support Kyle. You know, he he's an incredible person and we were really happy to have him on the podcast. And also, if you want to support Steve's foundation, the Chris and Kelly's Hope Foundation, then we'll include that link in there. It's also in his show notes. Oh, and I have I have a couple of announce, you know, things to talk about. One is we did this rad panel that had three influencers, recovery influencers, Emily McAllister, and they all three have done the podcast. So Emily McAllister, Brittany Carbone, and George Resch, and all of them have some of their own fame. Um, George Resch notably started Tanks Good News on Instagram, and um, he also has the the page Tank Sinatra on Instagram. And it tanks good news. You know how we were talking about media before and having three sources. That might be a good one. Tanks good news <laughs> to oh, uh, that might be a, one. Of, I was thinking to myself, like one of the three, like, Oh, let's just keep it to that. Tanks good news. And, um, and then Emily McAllister is mommy blogger, photographer, um, recovery advocate, speaker, author, and Brittany Carbone is a recovery advocate and a fitness extraordinaire speaker, motivational coach. She um, has lost and lost 70 pounds and maintained that weight loss and become a personal trainer. And she's just amazing and um, talks about her eating issues. And so anyway, in that panel that we did, which you can find on YouTube, Instagram, Line Rock Recovery's Instagram, linerock.life's Instagram. You can also find it on Line Rock Recovery YouTube. It, we talk about like getting through the pandemic and getting through COVID and coping skills and overeating and eating during COVID, that kind of thing. Really fun, an hour panel, lots of different questions. Highly, highly recommend. Check it out. We're having another one, new panel with new people on August 17th. And then we also are starting podcast book club. So there are community meetings 
that you can find on the linerockrecovery.com website. You go to meetings and it's all these free resources, all these free meetings, different types of meetings, not just 12-step workshops, meditation. And one of the meetings is going to be podcast book club where the leader will take different topics from each, from episodes we have and we have them split down into topics various topics and so you listen to that episode and then you come and you talk about you know that with a group of people you talk about that so it's like a book club for for the podcast episodes and it should be really really good highly recommend you try it great way to have conversations or bring questions around this, you know, the Courage to Change community and the guests. And we're going to have um, guest speakers come to some of these meetings. It'll be great. So Podcast Book Club, C2C, Courage to Change Podcast Book Club. So go to lionrockrecovery.com, go to meetings and all the meetings, free resources. I run a Overeaters Anonymous meeting on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Feel free to come and join us. And if you have questions or ideas, podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We will announce the dates that the book club is starting because that is going to be starting at some point in August. Got it. I think think it's going to be mid-August, but we will give you like those for sure dates. And then once those for sure dates are up, then they'll also be, like Ashley said, on the same community meetings page and it'll be everywhere. We'll send an email blast, all that fun stuff. If you'd like to be on our um, community meetings email blast, Email us and I'm happy to add you. I'm happy, happy, happy to add you. It's a really great community. Amazing community. Absolutely amazing. And please, 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 if you have Instagram, please make us one of the accounts you're following. We will make it worth your while. It will be, we will bring good news and happy things. Courage to change the words, courage, T-O, change, underscore podcast. Please follow us uh, for announcements, um, special takeovers, all sorts of fun things, lots of resources. We would love to have you. Yay. We love our podcast community. Thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate you and looking forward to another amazing episode next week. Can't wait. This podcast is sponsored by Lion Rock Recovery. Lion Rock provides online substance abuse counseling where clients can get help from the privacy of their own home. They are accredited by the Joint Commission and sessions are private, affordable, and user-friendly. Call their free helpline at 800-258-6550 or visit www.lionrockrecovery.com for more information.